Welcome to Weaver Beyond the Numbers, where Weaver professionals talk about business and accounting. We'll explore a wide variety of topics from tax law and accounting standard changes to managing cyber, fraud, financial, and operational risks. What do these issues mean to your business? Join us as we go beyond the numbers to find out. Hello and welcome to Weaver Beyond the Numbers. Changes in the world of work have been taking root for the past decade. The current pandemic has accelerated those changes to a tipping point. Weaver's Dale Jensen sits down with Lee Colon, PhD of the L Group, for an engaging conversation about what the future holds for leaders and how culture and work may shift. Listen now to their engaging discussion. Well, good to see you again, Dale. Thanks for joining yeah. me today. Yep, third time the child. This is number three, so it's been going well so far. So we can keep it going. <laughs> I feel like this is the uh, the last dance series of Michael Jordan, right? Kind of the last series. So, uh, so anyway, listen, some of you joined us over the last couple of webinars. We appreciate that. Uh, if you've been uh, hitting the trifecta here, that's great. We talked about uh, building a positive mindset during uncertain times. And we also talked about building a positive culture with remote teams. Both of those are kind of current day, real world things that we're struggling with now. And today's uh, topic is a little more forward looking, how the world might change uh, as a result of this pandemic, as we think about leadership, culture, and work. So Dale and I are going to share some perspectives, I think uh, mostly informed perspectives, but I'll qualify that, that we're looking into a crystal ball a little bit also. Uh, but I think we have a pretty good sense uh, from our clients and, uh, and Dale's clients at, at Weaver of, of what's going on. And uh, I think we, we kind of see the trajectory, and I'm not sure it's, uh, it's changing that much, but we want to kind of talk about how the pandemic might, might address that. And the fact is, Dale, I don't know if you agree with this, but there have been changes in the world of work, kind of this trajectory over the past decade or so we've been seeing around culture and people and involvement and purpose and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I just think that this pandemic has kind of just created a tipping point to kind of accelerate that curve is really what's happening. I'm not sure it's changing it. It's just like it's happening a lot faster. So uh, just any thoughts on that yourself? No, I, I agree. So, um, you know, in leading the culture committee, one of the things that I've been you know, very focused on um, for, for, for a while now is you know, the concept of emotional intelligence. And I think that, you know, this directory on emotional intelligence is something that has, you know, from a business perspective, continued to become top of mind for, for a lot of people in the business community and a lot of leaders. And so I agree. Like, you know, when you enter into this you know, post-pandemic environment, I think that even becomes even more highlighted and more important from an organizational perspective then too. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna jump, uh, get into emotional intelligence in a little bit, but let me uh, talk about, um, lead, ask you about leadership first, if you don't mind. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and let me just couch this a little bit too. And I always think of organizational changes and stuff and, and, um, and I think about like a hurricane. So in the, in the outer winds of a hurricane, there's just all kinds of stuff swirling around, right? But in the core of the hurricane, in the eye, it's stable, right? And, and, and things tend to be unchanged there. And I think when we think about organization and people and culture and leadership, the core concepts of how to lead people and how to build a great culture are really at the, at the eye of the storm, right? They've always been there. But what always ha what happens is sometimes people get caught up in multi generations in the workforce and the and 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 the millennials and new technologies and uh, and 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 greater competition globally. All these other stuff they get caught up in the outer winds. And the fact is, there are some simple truths about how to lead people, how to build culture, 
and, and how to design work so people are motivated that really haven't changed in a long time. Now, that doesn't mean we should dig our heels in and say we're not going to do anything. It means we do need to have an appreciation for the new context we have. So the big outer wind now in the hurricane is the pandemic, right? Standing yep. and appreciating that, but not getting away from the simple truths that we know about how human beings work and how culture is built. And so that's kind of my, my, my just perspective on that. So as we talk about these things today, um, uh, we just want to make sure we're kind of, Dale and I are to try to draw back into the, into the simple truths too. Yeah, something I was reading recently in one of the books and in a, a kind of simplification of a lot of things. It's like, you know, regardless of what's going on around us, you know, changing economic environments, like those whirlwinds that you talk about, you know, regardless of if we're in a people business such as Weaver, in a product business that needs to be innovative, what are we trying to do? And what I really took away from this one book is the kind of simplifies the maximization of human potential. So how do we maximize the potential of the people that, that we work with. And so that stability in that and how we engage with each other to maximize our own potential and the potential of all those that we engage with. So I think mm -hmm. is, that, is, that, is that core to that leadership because that's what's going to inspire people to innovate, inspire people to, you know, to engage in these challenging times then too. Absolutely. We, we always say that uh, organizational change is just a concept. Organizations only change when individuals change. It's about how, how, do, we get, how do we kind of bring out the best untap the potential, as you mentioned, of the individuals of their organization, then we create organizational change. Mm -hmm. uh, just so our listeners, in case they might be interested, do you, do you happen to remember the uh, title of the book? Uh, they might want it's, to jot that down. It's a, it's a Gallup book called It's the Manager. Um, and, so, and so that's really what that book focuses on. It, it's a, it, it, it kind of really breaks a lot of things down from past tense to present tense about really talking through the perspective too that this is, you know, you, we, a lot of times we used to look at, we have our job, we have our personal life, but I mean, really, it's our life. And I think, I think that's kind of what we're talking about today too, Lee, is that there's no real, you know, it's, it's just life. I mean, if, yeah. if we, you know, our, our, our peace at home and our peace at work are so inter, integrated together, yeah. that yeah. is life. And so, and how as leaders, the importance of engaging in each other's lives to yeah. drive and maximize that potential of each other is what's, is, is really what's key to, driving, driving an organization. You know, so, the, so on that note, the concept of work-life balance over the years has evolved into work-life integration, which has ultimately just evolved in just what you said. It's just life, right? It's life, so, yeah. One thing, so I love that. Good yeah. Thing. So on, focusing on, on, on leaders a little bit, Dale, how do you see kind of the key responsibilities of leaders kind of evolving as we go into this kind of a post-pandemic world? What are your perspectives on that? You know, I think we, we it kind of really the story that we've kind of talked through the last three weeks. I think is it's just the continuation of that, and so I mean, I think I think stability stability is key to that, and then engagement is key to that, and then you know transparency, communication, kind of all aligns with that too. But as part of that, it is it probably like what we talked about last week is how do we how do we connect with our teams? You know, right. have that foundational connectivity. Um, with our teams, it makes the engagement, um, you know, when, we, when we're dealing with these difficult situations or you know, trying to figure out what is the path from here, having true strategic discussions, a lot, a lot easier. Because um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of the things we're all going to be dealing with now is we're going to be making, having strategic discussions on, okay, as a company, where are we today? 
where do we need to get to? What are the pitfalls, the hurdles, um, the difficulties in getting there? And that we can have an open, honest conversation and, and work through those together. Well, you know, I, I made a few notes on that and you, you hit them all. So let me just, <laughs> so we were very much aligned on that. So uh, I, I call kind of the, this post-pandemic world is going to force leaders to kind of elevate the game. I call the three C's, communication, connectivity, and creativity, right? So we need to kind of elevate our communication game because we have more people remote. We have to figure out ways to stay connected with them if they're not in our workspace and connected, not just with them, but connect them to our, the purpose of the organization, connect them to the purpose of their work. And that's going to force us to be a little more creative about how we go about doing that. Right. I also, we, we, we do a lot of work around parenting as leaders and leaders as parents. I believe the role as a parent is very similar to the role as a leader, just with a different, a different group underneath them. Uh, and I think in some ways the leader is going to be more like a parent. And I don't say that in a punitive way. I just say they're going to have to look, out for the, the total well-being of their people more than just are they getting their work done. I think there's yeah. something to be said there. Uh, I'm raining on our prey. We'll, we'll, we'll jump into that a little no, bit. No, I, I, think, I, think I think that's awesome because actually that book that I was talking about, one of the main components actually talks about in there is like in is my well-being. What is, what is somebody's well-being? Because that, that where, what is somebody's well-being is going to align to what their success and um, willingness. So, you know, there's just their comfort in, in, in diving in from a work perspective then too. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think another thing is too, just creating this sense of identity that we may have more people working remotely and stuff. How do I make sure my team not only feels connected, but it feels like, okay, like do I have the rituals to make them feel connected? If you've ever been in a sorority or a fraternity in college, you know, rituals play a big part of making people feel like they're part of something special that other people are a part of. And so how do I make my team feel special have this identity and a sense of purpose when we're maybe just you know here on, on you know on, on zoom and we're not really as physically connected and and i don't want to underestimate the power of being in the similar proximity this says a lot to be yeah. said we are going to be forced to be more creative to kind of create that team identity when we're maybe potentially more dispersed yeah and i think we talked about that a little bit last time physical connectivity versus emotional connectivity and you know, and, and even bringing that back together more. And I think that's going to be, there's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of challenges in that because yes, we're going to be coming back into a new physical environment when we come back to the office and you know, how that looks on rotate, like densification in offices is going to be different. So you could have certain people in the office someday, some people out remote some days and it's just, and how to maintain that. How do you maintain, like maybe you have your core teams that are, on, on Mondays and Wednesdays and other core teams on Tuesday and Thursdays. And how do you, you know, I think there's going to have to be a lot of strategic planning and discussion around that to get to just drive home just what you talked about. So let's go ahead and jump into that topic about, uh, about kind of well-being. As I, I mentioned, talking about like the leaders are really a parent, viewing their role as, as, as the parent. Again, not in a punitive way, but in, in, a, in a, taking a holistic view of, of the employee what do you see the, the role, the future role of the leader being as it relates to kind of the, the well-being of his or her employees? You know, we talked a little bit about emotional intelligence. And so overarching that, one of the other core concepts I've, I've been reading a lot about is the concept of psychological, psychological safety, which is, yeah. I guess, more of a more organizational emotional intelligence. And I think where, where as a leader you know, plays a key role in that is 
the ability to, to be open, to be open and honest and be, and be accepting. So be accepting to where um, you, you know, it's, it's about being available, being available to hear what your employees are, are saying. So it's not necessarily, I think a lot of times it's not necessarily, you know, you, we don't have to agree with, with what um, somebody may think that they need at this point in time, but we have to be open to listen. And so being, being there to open and listen so that we can just have, engage in the conversation, you know, to me, that's what a lot of people, a lot of people are going to, going to need because whatever um, those emotional needs, you know, those, those, those needs were before, a lot of those are just going to be heightened and escalated and there may be more of them. And so, you know, if we can't have an open, honest conversation about it and work through that, that's just that's that's going to be detrimental to our relationship, and so it's the same like you talk about. Like if you're dealing with your kids, you want your kids to be open and honest with you on what they need, so that we can. Like, a lot of times, we may not agree with our kids, <laughs> but we 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 want to have the conversation. I think that's the point. We want to have the conversation. The, the home and the work should both be yes. safe places. And so we we've developed a model years ago that's been translated, used across the world called a passionate performance engagement model that is based on six human needs. And I, I'm going to get back and tie right back into your point. It's, it's, it's going to seem like I'm going down a rabbit trail, but I'm not. So, uh, <laughs> so it, there are three intellectual needs we all have as humans, regardless of race, gender, generation, industry we're in, culture. And there are three intellectual needs and three emotional needs. So the three intellectual needs are the need for achievement, autonomy, and mastery. When we meet those needs, we engage people's minds, intellectual engagement. And there are three emotional needs, the needs for purpose, intimacy, and appreciation. When we meet those three emotional needs, we engage their heart and we get emotional engagement. So together, we call it passion performance. You get performance from the intellectual side, passion from the emotional side. And the big payoff of the leader is really getting discretionary effort, right? Getting your people mm-hmm. to give their very best of their mind and their heart for the, for the benefit of the team. The key for engaging leaders in order to be able to identify the needs is to be able to look past the, to the employee, to the person behind the employee. And so to your point earlier, I'll circle back now, is that in order to really listen and engage with people, you have to be willing in today's day and age to be saying, listen, that's just not my analyst. That's just not my assistant. That's not my coordinator, right? That, that's the person that has a family at home, that's juggling three kids, that just had a father that had chemo. I mean, really understanding who yeah. the is. So uh, I think uh, that that's a, clearly a trend that's been happening over the past five or 10 years. And as the millennials have become more dominant in the workforce and looking for more kind of authentic, real relationships in the workforce, that's the kind of trend that's been occurring, but has really kind of been exacerbated now with this pandemic. And I think if a leader is not willing to be a little bit vulnerable and also a little bit be comfortable with him or herself and the softer side of leadership, right? The, the emotional side. Uh, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to be have the the, mo- the most engaged team you can have. I think that it used to kind of be a nice to have where leaders that could create this nice safe place and really be emotionally intelligent and have psychological safety. Those really set themselves apart. I think in the future that's going to be kind of this entrance into the game, right? Yeah, it's been interesting. I've been really thinking a lot lately because we use these big terms like psychological safety, emotional intelligence. And, and so I think a, you know, a lot of times it's easy to get lost in the, no offense, lead the psychology 
I'm with you. And so I was kind of like trying to really like, how do we simplify that? Yeah. And so, you know, kind of like what I've been thinking about recently is like, to me, what people really want is like, want to know is like, do you trust me? That's right. The answer, the answer maybe no. I mean, but well, let's have the conversation though. That's foundational. Yep. Yeah. And then um, are you willing to hear me? And, um, and so even like even thinking through that in, in the terms of what we're talking about, psychological safety and emotional intelligence is just saying I'm willing to hear you is not really, it's like, how do, how do we show that? So, you know, we've all been in conversations all the time um, with, our, with our spouses, with our kids, with people at work. We're listening, but we're not hearing. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, I'm... I've, I've failed at that plenty of times, so I'll put my hand up. <laughs> well, and the same thing happens. We'll challenge our clients, say, listen, how many times do you even look at someone, look at your employee, but not really see them? Because you're looking at the employee, not the person, right? So, uh, yeah. and by the way, I take no offense. I know PhD stands for piled high and deep. <laughs> Just recently started putting it by my name because I didn't want people to know I was a PhD, but uh, <laughs> simple-minded for that. Because to me, no matter how complex the issue is, we have to boil it down so that it's actionable for leaders that are living in this information-rich, time-poor world. There's lots of stuff going on. Every leader feels like they're just on this treadmill. How do we provide them a tool or an approach that's no more than three steps that they can say, okay, I can execute to that? Because the most intricate plan and, and, and strategy and model, if it can't be executed, is just something that looks nice on a wall. So, um, yeah, so keeping things kind of just boiled down and real is, is really important for us. Yeah, because I think it's so, the other thing is like, be interested to hear your thoughts on this then too, Lee, is because um, like we've talked a lot about, you hear, you hear, hear a lot about um, controlling what you can control. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so I think as leaders, it's where we have to be careful at times is really understanding the one thing we can't, we can't control people. Yeah. So, you know, so when we talk about some of this, it's like control what you control, but we can't control, we, we can't control people. So that, that's where I think understanding that is so important to then understanding how we connect with people to, to drive and maximize their success then too. You know, uh, I, I love the word of flourish where our firm's all about helping people flourish. And because the definition of it is that kind of something that has rigorous growth and development particularly as a result of very favorable environments. Yeah. That's kind of what we're trying to do. It's like we can't control our people, but we can create the, the right environment, a safe place, a motivating place, a place where there's open communication and challenge and accountability, by the way. This isn't all just the soft stuff, right? But create the right environment where people can kind of elevate to their potential. And that's really, and that to me, that's about having enabling people to flourish and I believe if our people flourish, the organization flourishes. So it's kind of like two levels there, individual and organizational. Um, but all we can do is create the kind of environment to help people succeed. Uh, and if they're, if they're not willing to step up and, and move toward their best potential in that environment, then we have tough discussions around that. That's okay. But I think you're right on. Uh, leadership's not about controlling and that kind of thing. And, and particularly, uh, particularly in this day and age, and I'm not sure that's been any different in the past, you know, the most inspiring leaders create environments that make you want to step into that. I mean, that's, that's the difference between like compliance and commitment, right? You know, mm -hmm. a typical manager is going to make you want to comply, but a great leader is going to make me feel a sense of commitment. Like I want to deliver for that. Right? So uh, that, yeah. that's, uh, and again, that may have been the exception in the past. And I think this pandemic is just accelerating that trend to say, listen, to be successful in the leader, as a leader in the future, the, just the, the entrance stakes are being, you're going to have to be inspiring and have to know how to create kind of a, a great environment where people want to kind of thrive.
Right. I, I love the word flourish. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, from a, from a gardening perspective, vines and plants. And so yeah. what, what do vines, the plants that have that flourish that are really strong have? They have a deep root, root structure. structure. Yeah. Deep root structure. And so some, you know, some of the strongest plants, they may take a while to really flourish and grow, but they've developed such a deep root structure. When they do take off, they just take off so fast and so strong. A few minutes ago, you talked through quickly some really rich information so would love to have you repeat it for us go through your emotional needs again oh sure so let me just set the full context real quickly there are six basic human needs that everyone in the workplace has regardless of you know where you are or what you look like it doesn't matter so the three intellectual needs are the needs for achievement autonomy and mastery and then the three emotional needs are the needs for Purpose, intimacy, which is kind of like affiliation or connectedness. So purpose, intimacy, and appreciation. And Katie, as a follow-up, I'll send just a short white paper kind of on that model, uh, and that way people could kind of have that so they don't have to feel like they take uh, copious notes here, okay? Perfect. Uh, Dale, you know, we, we often use this, uh, this analogy of the Indian thorny bamboo seed. Uh, it's a particular type of bamboo seed in, in Asia that once planted takes like two years to break down to you know, the right environmental conditions and sunlight and rain, and nothing happens for two years. But once it breaks ground, it could grow up to 100 feet in less than two yeah. weeks, right? And so, oh, that was in the book you wrote. Okay, that was, that's probably where No, got. it's actually in, it's in another book. There's a book, oh, okay, cool. yeah. it's a book called Chop Wood, Carry Water. Okay, it, yeah. It which has all these little... Yeah. And so, uh, it has that one in there, too. Yeah, it's, a, it's a great illustration because sometimes as a leader... We feel like we're doing all the right stuff. I'm, I'm reading the right books. I'm getting the right coaching. We may not see the results right away, but we have to. We have to feel confident that by doing the right stuff, we're helping create a strong root structure, not just for our yep. own leadership, but in our our own people. They're creating the right values, the right character. We always say leadership's an inside job, right? It starts for your personal leadership first. So you're pouring into your people, and then you might not see the results. No different than a parent, right? Parenting, leadership, leadership, parenting. That you may not see the results for years later, hopefully a little sooner, uh, but you have to have the confidence to know that I'm doing the right stuff. I'm not going to get caught up in the flavor of the day. I keep investing in my people, investing in the relationship, doing the right things to create a foundation of trust, as you alluded to. Trust, 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 right? If, if, if your trust is gone, you could write anything off, right? And you know that if you've lost trust in an employee, it's kind of hard to get that back or vice versa, or trust in any relationship. So I think it's just, I want to encourage the people listening that if you feel like you're doing the right stuff and not getting the results, it's always great to, to question, you know, and, and look. But I'd also say if you're confident that you're doing the right things, just trust that, that you're building that root structure that, that's going to come up at some point. So be patient with that. Yeah. So uh, Dale, do you want to talk any more about uh, just kind of the psychological safety or uh, just the emotional intelligence. I know that's, that's kind of a, a hot thing for you and, and really critical in not only the workforce today, but moving forward, anything else you might want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, so one of the things I speak to here at Weaver from a culture perspective is like really what, what is Weaver's culture? So you, you can apply this to, a, you know, I believe, to any company. What's, what is your company's culture? Like, like a lot of people try to define culture by different things, but when I, when I kind of break it down, um, to me, you know, I, I have this, this um, kind of visualization of it in that you have this culture balloon. And every single person here at Weaver or your company is connected to this culture balloon. Mm -hmm. So, And then each individual person is also connected to each other. So we have a choice each day to either inflate or deflate this cultural balloon. 
really layer back and look at it, what is culture? Culture is our individual character. And so when, when, when we look at that and what our individual character is, what underlines that is our emotional intelligence. And, you know, and what do we bring to work each day and how do we engage with each other within our emotional intelligence to, to continue to grow and drive um, the culture of our, of our organizations. And so kind of working through this, I mean, I've learned a lot about my, myself too, just learned a lot about what my strengths and even some of my weaknesses were um, within um, emotional intelligence and what does it mean to, you know, for introspection, accountability, conflict management, and just, just some of the different things, mindfulness. I was, the, um, you know, the story I kind of tell about myself is a lot of times is I can get very tunnel vision. So, you know, I could be in the office, have to walk to the other side of the office to go talk to somebody and you walk past 10 different people and because you've got your mindset on who you have to go talk to and you just ignore everybody that you walk past. Nothing intentional, but being more mindful of those types of things and building the emotional intelligence of that to say, hey, that is something that has, has, I've had a tendency to be one of my, my, my weaknesses. Right. So being mindful of it allowed me to be more intentional when I engage with my team then in, in those types of situations then too. Right, very nice, very nice. You know, we, as we coach executives, Dale, well, just what you're saying, we're saying, listen, not everyone has a full set of gifts. We all have gifts. We all have some blind spots, some things we need to work on. But being aware of that, having that emotional intelligence to be able to say, you know what, I, I'm not really great about appreciating my team. Maybe that's one of the three emotional needs, right, that I'm, not, I'm working on. Yep. And um, so we'll say, listen, that's okay. Half the battle is acknowledging it, right? The awareness. Yes. 100%. How do we just get creative and figure out, okay, so we'll have clients say, listen, every Friday morning, I'll have a recurring appointment on their outlet calendar that says, who did you acknowledge this week? Or who did you appreciate this week? And so if, they, if that pops up, and they're like, oops, gee, I didn't get to anybody this week. It's just a reminder to keep it top of mind. Not everyone's just naturally going to be looking for those things. Or they can ask their staff to say, hey, each staff meeting every week, everyone bring in one person on your team that's done a great job. And let me know what they did so I could either write them a note or send them a voicemail or a text or something. So those are ways you can kind of be creative and just say, hey, it's not my natural gift or my natural bent, but I'm aware of it. So now I can create a, some strategies to kind of help make kind of buttress that, that as, a, as a skill. So, uh, but I agree 100%. It all starts with awareness, right? It all starts with awareness. And like some people might think, well, is that being dis disingenuous because it's not natural? No, it's not because we all have blind spots. And that's, and that's just, that's, that's the humanity in us. And so it doesn't, it doesn't mean anybody lacks appreciation to somebody or somebody. You, it's just but building that awareness so that makes us more thoughtful through, through that process then too. And, and, you know, speaking of blind spots, uh, we all have them, as you mentioned, and the best way to eliminate them is for people to be comfortable and feeling psychologically safe to say, yeah. hey, Lee, uh, I know you didn't mean it, but I know you think you're a great listener, but uh, you just didn't shut up in that last meeting, right? Yeah. Like, yes. Thank you very much. Now, I can't bite their head off because that's not psychologically safe, right? So, so we have to, again, back to trust. People have to trust to say, Lee, if I'm going to say something tough to Lee, he's going to take it in the right spirit, right? But if we, if we don't have that, People are not going to say anything to me. So I'm going to start looking like an idiot meeting after meeting after meeting. And those are, we've all been in situations where we've seen someone that has a big blind spot, the guy with a huge ego or is arrogant or whatever. And it, I don't know about you, but I get like a visceral reaction. Like, oh my gosh, does he realize he's coming off? Like, <laughs> like it's a horrible feeling. Like it just turns your stomach. 
And so I just have people say, think, I always have my clients say, think of a time when you saw that with somebody else, you sure never want anyone thinking that way when you're on, you know, up in the front of the room. So we have to create that environment where, again, people are comfortable coming to us. And we've got to work on ourselves and say, listen, I don't have enough of an ego. Someone's willing to tell me something and be bold enough to tell me. I've got to take that. I can choose to agree with it or disagree with it. That's fine. But I've got to take that in, be willing to kind of have enough leadership courage to look at myself and say, you know what? I didn't intend that, but he's son of a gun. He's right. I, I came off like a little bit of a jerk and be willing to take that. And if we think that we're never past that stage, I've always told people like, if you think as a leader, you've arrived, you're dead in the water, right? There's no one's ever finished learning. And you're also setting a really crummy, frankly, example for your team to think, oh, once I get to Lee's level or Dale's level, right, then I can kind of cruise, right? I don't need to listen to people. I can just kind of do my own thing. And uh, so I think that's all, again, we're all right now, last half hour of us talking about personal leadership, right? Your own character, your own awareness, working on yourself, your own development. And, and to me, that's what makes great leaders. And I think in the past, we've kind of known that, but all of the press, all the articles, all the workshops were around leadership skills, how to cast a great vision, how to, you know, how to select people well, how to develop them, how to, great, you know, how to do this and that, how to build a team. All those are critical, but back to the foundational thing. If it's not built on a foundation of good, strong character and self-leadership, we could have all these great skills out here, but they're really kind of on a slippery foundation. The, the reverse also holds true, in my opinion, in my experience, Dale, is that if we have a really solid foundation here yep. and it is right, our skill level may be like so-so, but we could still soar because people see that it's coming from the right place. I, I speak, like when I talk to psychological safety, I say psychological safety is like the foundation of our building. Every building is going to be shaken by an earthquake at some point in time. Okay. Um, and so the, the strength of that foundation is going to be the determination of how much damage that building takes. And so the building's going to take damage. I mean, that's really what I mean. And so something like the pandemic, I mean, every, every, every company's um, building is being, is being rocked right now. And psychological safety is, one of the, is, 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 is part of that foundation of how we, how we work through this together as a team. You both talked about trust quite a bit. Can you take a minute and tell us how you decide and how to act when you feel like an employee has lost your trust or vice versa? What do you recommend? I mean, I think that's where psychological safety comes into play is that we have to be willing to be open and honest in those conversations. So when, if we're not willing to um, have that discussion with the employee, then the trust breaks down even further organizationally. So even though an employee, so that's, that's really the impact of not having those discussions with somebody who's broken your trust. Employees that you trust may then question, well, if they still trust that person, do they really still trust me? And so that's where the organizational and psychological safety really, for me, is key, key to that element. And, and, and great, Dylan. I'll just echo that and just remind people that are watching that we lead in a fishbowl, right? People are watching every move. So if we're not addressing certain situations or we're allowing things, people are looking at that going, hmm, okay, how, does that, how, how is he managing that? Why is he not addressing that issue? And people will generally be forgiving 
they'll get they're generally frustrated with the other party first, like the other employee that you might be might not be managing. But after a couple of times, that frustration gets shifted right back up to the leader and starts going, wait a minute, why is he or she not dealing with that? Or why is he or she allowing that kind of behavior or, or being permissive of this? So we, we really have to be on our game and know that like when we're leading, everything matters, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, people are watching every little thing and, and that's, you know, for better or for worse, you can complain about it all day long, but that, that's how it is. And, and the mature leader understands that and realizes that I just can't kind of sweep stuff under the rug, right? You know, what's, I think Stephen Covey had a great quote years ago that said, unexpressed emotions don't go away. They just rear their heads in uglier ways, right? And it's the same performance issues and all that. Unaddressed performance issues or relational issues don't go away. They're just going to rear their heads in uglier ways. So we can't sweep them under the rug. We have to address them. And the easiest way to address them is if we work and, and poured energy into that foundation of trust and then it makes it easier to bring them up. If we don't have that, it's a little bit sticky. So uh, it's really a pay me now or pay me later leadership proposition is to today, if you haven't been doing it, start developing, being open with people, talking to them, having the right conversations. Again, everything we're talking about here applies to the family setting, right? No different than the, than the work setting. It's, it's really the same, the same dynamic. We have another really good question, Dale and Lee, and I know we just have a couple minutes left. I want to make sure we fit this in. Sure. One of the challenges, and I'm sure there are many businesses dealing with this. Uh, Rachel, thank you for this question. Uh, balancing communication and engagement among different groups of people. So those people that are working remotely and perhaps feeling safer, have been feeling safer in that environment versus those that are essential workers that have to go every single day and have been experienced exposing themselves physically what are your thoughts on dealing with that from a from a leadership and communication perspective i'll just chime in real quickly and let hear from dale uh, i think the communication needs to be the same the people that are disconnected from us working from home we need to make them feel connected and the people there putting their lives at risk we need to make sure we appreciate them and they know every day the steps we're taking to keep them safe and the things we need them to do to remain safe and productive, right? So I think on the communication, it's different communication, but I don't think it's like a different standard for, for each one. And I think there's also an appreciation that each party has to have for the other about the role that they're playing to support the business, even from home and making those sacrifices, but certainly keeping the business running and the plants and the manufacturing facilities uh, on the work front too. So um, this is back to kind of mutual respect, understanding roles, and have an appreciation for our, for our team members. Dale, something to add to that? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, as a CPA firm, we probably don't deal with that, deal with that as much yet. Yeah. We, I mean, we're gonna have to start um, having certain teams go to client offices as clients open up. And so people, people going more to the office versus going to remote spots. So yeah, so I mean, from a communication perspective, it is the same but different than too. And maintaining the same, same level of safety protocols that we expect here at Weaver, as we would if we go to the client's office so that so that the understanding for our from our team is you know we're we're looking at we're looking at everything from a holistic perspective the way that we we evaluate what the what the needs of our teams are then too so if you were to to advise someone who perhaps has not had this optimal leadership environment and, and culture within their organization if you were to advise them on 
most appropriate next steps for coming back to the office after everything that's happened. And I want to engage a more positive culture and a more positive leadership style. Where would you start? And so Katie, is this the leader asking this question or is this an employee trying to influence upward just to be clear? I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Okay. So I would say if, if you're, if you're the employee, I would say be your own center of excellence. So encourage, encourage upward uh, and make sure that, um, uh, that, that you're bringing some of these learnings and insights to your leader to help him or her. If you're the leader, I mean, use this as a new day and, and this is back to being vulnerable. Hey guys, um, I know this is a new world now and it opened my eyes and I had some, some time to reflect and I'm going to do my best to, to do a, little, a few things differently or better. And I want your help in keeping me accountable to do that. If you can say that, then you're ready to kind of create some real sustained change over time. As a leader, we have to be willing to let down our guard. And I think that's, it's not, I mean, it's taken me a long time to get comfortable. Honestly, it's taken me a long time to get comfortable on that. So it's not easy, but, you know, the more that we let down the, our guard, the more open and honest um, our teams are going to be willing, willing to be with us too. Le- leadership vulnerability is the ultimate leadership courage, right? And that's, that's the real test there. Uh, Katie, any other questions before we wrap up? One, and that is, if you were to summarize your final thoughts on after everything that people have been through in this remote working environment and some bright spots that people can take back to their offices with them, what are those key takeaways? Um, I would say emotional connectivity. I think just the emotional connectivity that I I feel like um, has grown even um, exponentially in this remote environment, just bring, 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 bring that back to the office, bring back that willingness to pull back that curtain. We've, you know, we've pulled back that curtain from a societal perspective and a business perspective through these, through, you know, video chatting, you know, just, you can just continue that conversation. And, and the one I would add to that with the one takeaway would be the fact that we're probably all more resilient than we think we are. And so this has been thrown a loop, everybody for a loop and most people are going to come out stronger with maybe new skill sets, new perspectives, more opportunities to innovate. So I just think appreciating the power of our human resilience through anything uh, is, a, is a great kind of sense of confidence to take with you regardless of what happens. Because the fact is no trend goes on forever. The world and economies go like this. So there'll be another one of these. So just bringing that confidence forward is great with that sense of resilience. Well, thank you both very much. We're going to wrap up here. And I want to thank all of you that participated today, asking questions, certainly sharing your thoughts. I want to remind you that Weaver has a resilience and recovery resource center on weaver.com. All of these webinars and many, many other resources, including blogs and recorded webinars on a variety of topics, podcasts, etc., are all housed in that resilience and recovery resource center. We're also coming out with more and more industry-specific insights. We've been adding new content almost every day. And thank you again for being here. Thanks for participating. Have a great day. Thanks, Lee. This has been awesome. Good to see you. Good to see you. We hope you enjoyed today's engaging conversation. We'll be back soon with more episodes covering culture topics to help guide organizational leaders. Make sure to follow Weaver on LinkedIn at Weaver and like us on Facebook at Weaver CPAs to join the conversation. Until next time, continue leading the way beyond the numbers.